Hello everybody, welcome to Live Lunch. My name is Rachel and I'm an intern here doing media and kids stuff and I'm really excited to be talking on the topic of faith and trust and all things that um, we're doing Genesis 41 and I'm joined by George Benson. Hello. Welcome, Hi. lovely to have you. And Tim Jones Hello. again. Hello. Nice to be with Back you. Back again, Hi. lovely. <laughs> Lucky me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we were doing Genesis 41 this week on Sunday. Stephen Dawson preached to us. And George, you had a little bit of like a... Yeah, so the, we uh, reached the point in the story with Joseph where he's uh, he's languishing in a, in a prison. He's been forgotten. Mm. It's all a bit uh, sad, although he doesn't seem to be. Um, and uh, Pharaoh has some dreams that he... Is dis- are disturbing to him. Uh, dreams about seven fat, plump cows that get eaten by seven skinny cows and then <laughs> seven uh, wonderful-looking ears of grain get eaten by seven emaciated kind of ears of grain. A lot and, of sevens uh, knocking about. A lot of sevens, and um, he is understandably worried about this. So he's, he's asking people to interpret these dreams for him. No one can. And then the cupbearer from our story the other week goes, oh, I know a guy who is good with dreams. And so finally, uh, two years a bit late for, for Joseph, um, he remembers him. And uh, Joseph comes, interprets the dreams. And then I think we will read out that end mm. bit of the story, which happens after he's interpreted the dream for, mm. for Pharaoh. Yeah, sure. So this is Genesis forty-one thirty-seven. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he said, set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zappaneth, Zappaneth. And he came and he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of, the, of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my, and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Hmm. 
the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, there was famine in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the earth. Yeah. So Joseph's interpretation of the dream uh, came true. And yes. uh, God kind of has a moment of vindication for, for, for Joseph. He's finally had his moment he's been heard and uh, all the promises that he's heard when he was a young man come through when he's 30 and uh, Stephen looked at um, he sort of finished finished the preach by looking at different ways God speaks to us obviously there's a big theme in in this part of uh, Genesis uh, God speaking to people through dreams and uh, speaking even to Pharaoh uh, through dreams and uh, but he also looked initially more at just the the providence of God, how God intervenes in history, the way that God uses these uh, these people in these situations. So he uses Joseph, but he also uses the cupbearer, even though the cupbearer doesn't do very well. He forgets Joseph, promises to, to to remember him, and forgets him, and even ends up using Pharaoh, who is this kind of tries to be God himself, almost devil-like figure, and yet uses him in his plan. And so th- those were the themes that came through. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of couple of things we'd like to focus on. Yeah, I mean, as you say, like, it's it's kind of Joseph being restored after we've read about him being in the pit and still trusting God and then coming to this point where he's being brought in to see the king and given nice things and kind of given this honour, but the same trust. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk about that topic of trust, really, because I find it fascinating. How, how can we trust God, firstly, mm. You know, um, what does it look like to trust God? Um, yeah. yeah. And what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, it's great that George mentions that God can and will use you whether or not you're you're rightly formed as well. God's, God, God will deal with your life. He'll be he'll work in your life. And uh, you may not you may not detect that, um, but he'll he'll bring about his plans. But you can work with the grain of those things. You can't. You, there's, there's no uh, pun intended. Yes, yeah. Uh, the good ears of grain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you can you can work with with the the flow of what God is doing and actually just align yourself with the purposes of God. Um, you know, the fact is, you're always being built. You're always being formed, and so you should attend to that. It doesn't matter what you, your belief is at this juncture in time. You should know that you're being formed. You're being built in a certain way in your life. You're being constructed by the things that you view, the relationships that you have, uh, the ways that you spend your time. All, all of that is building you into a vessel of one sort or another. And gifting, so it's dream interpretation in this case, or hearing God as we were talking about last week. Um, yeah, could, that could happen. God, God could say, right, here's, here's a gift, but you might not be the right vessel to do much with that gift or hold on to that gift or steward it. It might swell your head and make, make you like, I'm the dream interpreter. You know, you, you don't see that with Joseph. He's, he is operating this incredible level of gifting, but in a way he's, he's always deferring, saying interpretations belong to God. Remember, remember that in the text from last time. It said interpretations belong to God. 
Now tell me what you dreamt. Mm. You know, yeah. and Joseph says to them, look, hey, hey, interpretations belong to him. Mm. Now tell me. And that's quite different to how the king's trying to go to all these magicians and other people that claim to have power. They have a reputation. Yeah. They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's coming from their own, like, I have this gifting and here I am to give it to you. Whereas Joseph is always God yeah, God first. And, and they might they might not be wrong that yeah. there's, there's gift. You, you might have giftings in your life that you're, you, you're certain are there and you're sure are there and you almost rely on or you rely on people viewing you as having those. It's, yeah. That might be how you relate to them. Joseph has learned something else because he's he's relativized his life. He's he he's relativized his life in orbit around this God who has started dealing with him mm. and is dealing with him over a long, slow process in in his life. Is shaping his character. He's forming him so that when the time comes in the passage that you just read so so beautifully. Uh, it, it comes. It comes time that he has to step up and take responsibility, and even receive honor. You know, it says when he goes past in, in his chariot, everyone's like has to bow the knee. Yeah. Now that could really go to your head yeah. if you haven't been formed in right. in a sense where you are very sure that you're second at best. You know that God is first and foremost, and you are you're the creature. He's the creator. He's relativized your mm. life, and it helps you almost to surge forward in gifting when you're released of carrying the primary burden of of answering for it mm. so there's all that kind of stuff and that links on, into like just having that pride and like maybe you see that in in churches quite a lot because things can go to your head and you see it in celebrity culture for sure mm. as well so it's just interesting to see yeah mm. someone be clothed with such like honor and dignity but but not let that overstep god's yeah, and you it's know, not pretend either. It's not, it's not just like some false humility. His, the way that he sees his life and the world is that it's God's world, that he's God's creature. He's, he's, he's underneath. He's not, he's not fighting or vying for position. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you don't see that weird anxiety that comes along with holding yourself in first place. What, what would you say to someone that's like, sees that negatively, like sees that as having to be under the control of somebody or having yeah. to you know feel less than in that way yeah i, I think that you know sorry george i'll let you speak in a minute but but, <laughs> but uh but yeah just a, th a thought on that one that um it you're arguing against reality if you try and put yourself in first position so say say you say you're completely atheistic in your viewpoint um you're still kicking against the fact that you are a contingent creature. You're contin you, you, you didn't choose to be born. You know, you came about by whatever means, but you are, you are dependent on at least your mother and father. And, and actually, as you start looking at it, well, and much more, the evolutionary process, the world that's given birth to anything that is, you know, and actually, the more that you look at what is, the more you see that there's personality behind it, which means that there's a... a possibility at least of a great creator mm. who has uh rights over you and and that that's something that you then start having to you, you should contend with that really honestly whatever yeah. your worldview and that'd be quite that's quite a wondrous thing is isn't it as well um, yeah positively <laughs> it is and i think you get there but initially it might be a very daunting thing yeah especially if you've yeah. been used to trying to assert your own identity and your yeah. own credentials and your own gifts so yeah i think yeah. being relativized can be a quite a painful process, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, George? 
Yeah, I think there's an interesting mix in being a, a Christian and following Jesus of um, the, the Bible does have lots of kind of, I guess, sort of submissive language. We, we, we lay our lives down and that kind of thing. But there's also quite a lot of language of freedom. Um, like it was for freedom that we were set free. Yes. And uh, live as those who are free. We're encouraged to do that. And so to, to, to someone who said, I don't know about that, so the surrender part of it, and I have had those conversations, it's like, I don't like the thought of surrendering to someone. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you, you've seen something real in what is, is being asked of you if you were to become a Christian. But I think there's also a, there's a freedom in, in the bowing before the person who, who made you and made you for a certain purpose. And so even though we live lives that to, you know, to, to whatever extent, depending on how we're feeling in the day, but we are aware of, as Joseph does, okay, I live under, you know, Jesus is called a king. I live under a king and I follow him. And you're aware of God's sovereignty in that day to day. Um, But there's also a real uh, experience of freedom in that. There's a a real freedom in being who you were made to be because you're following the one that made you and knows the way um, to do that. So I guess guess I'd say that. I'd sort of, I'd say you're seeing something real. You're you're worried about sort of submitting and that's, I I don't want to say, no, it's not like that. Yes, it is. Yeah, we are called to, Jesus says you you need to lose your life to find it. But there is a finding of life and of freedom um, in in that. I can definitely relate to that freedom aspect of just like, yeah, it does feel sometimes that you have to give quite a lot and, and sort of do this surrendering process, but then that leading to freedom. But but people on the outside looking in maybe don't understand that because they maybe are like bound to the things that they want to do. And I feel like this is talking a lot about trusting God, which sometimes means we're not in control and we don't really necessarily know what's going to happen um so yeah i just find that the uh topic of like trust and faith so interesting and i wanted to put out to the the group like how how do we even define like what what is faith and Mm. um because i feel, feel like with this um yeah joseph exercises faith the whole way through and even you know the king is exercising faith to Joseph from what he's seen so I don't know does anyone have any thoughts on like what it even is I think the first one is that submission isn't blind that it's not it's not just a that I I know that it's become a very common phrase the leap of faith um and that goes back to like Soren Kierkegaard and I, I just don't I don't relate to that I don't think that that's um that's what the scripture is calling you to when it calls you to faith. It's not saying it's a leap of faith. It's like belief in spite of all of the evidence. It's not supposed to be like that. It's, it's belief in coherence with the way that God has revealed himself in time and space. And in the scriptures, it's written down. Like he, I, I like to think that he writes his story with lives. You know, that's the way he does it. And these yeah. the, the good, the bad and the ugly and more often the bad and the ugly of these lives. But the faithfulness of God mm. shown all the way through. And if they show a modicum of trust and it's huge beneficial results for them. And um, yeah, the, really, rather than seeing it as a leap of faith, I think you should see it in your life as an inductive process. It's actually that you are taking one step at a time. You're not making a, a absolute irreversible zero-sum bet every time which if you fail everything fails and it all goes down that's not what you're invited to you're invited to incremental trust 
that um, God's saying, test me. You know, like, can you imagine the, the living God, the creator God, submitting himself to us in such a way that he says, trust me, you yeah. know, and then we, we falteringly do, and then we don't. And that, like, that's the reality of any life of attempted faithfulness or uh, not faithfulness just in the sense of doing the right thing, but um, like attempted dependence on God. Um, it's, it is one step forward, two step back. Yeah, you know, there's there's that yeah. kind of thing. But you've got a God who who is the God of time and space. He's he's got all of the time. He's he's very patient and actually wonderfully patient. As yeah. as you realize, what I mean is, you think to yourself, surely he can't still put up with me after this. Surely he won't give me chance yeah. number five thousand. You know, it, and actually, you keep getting kindness. You keep getting met with kindness, yeah. and it changes you. Yeah, and it it builds you in a character that is bent towards trust, which is therefore able to steward gifting. You know, so. Yeah, that's so good. Just what you're saying about it being, you know, a personal relationship. So it's not like you were describing. It's just some irreversible decision. I think a lot of people get scared to become a Christian because once they're in, they can't leave, and it's like. Um, you know, it's that's, lock in. Yeah. yeah, it's not, mm. that's not what relationships are. Like, you know, I could be friends with somebody and, and we could fall out or I don't know, something could happen and you always have freedom. And I think that's, you know, the beauty as well, linking back to the freedom aspect is mm. like, there's a freedom in that we get to choose to have trust and relationship. Yeah, it's always a dance God. in a relationship, isn't there? It's always sure. like actually you're responding to, to, uh, the moves that are made by by the other, yeah. In, in what whatever situation it is, and you grow in confidence as yeah. well. You grow in confidence in the person with whom you have to deal. Yeah. So faith, not necessarily being like a thing you can. It's, it's difficult to define, but it can be seen through the relationship that we have with with God. Like it can be built yeah. over experience. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think people find it difficult because you're talking about you, you know if, if people put you cruelly they, they say well you're talking about your sky fairy or your sky daddy and this, this yeah. kind of thing where, <laughs> yeah. where, where, where it's it's just seen as sheer fantasy yes but because the nature of the person they're talking about is of such an order that it's, it's very hard to we, we don't have any other categories for it you're talking about the uncreated creator um but then that makes things like the incarnation all the more amazing that you've got one who is completely other than all that else that exists, but then comes and submits to it and, and becomes the most intimately involved within it to bring it back to himself. Mm. Um, that's I, I, that's got to be a unique feature in Christianity as well. You don't see that in, in any other faith or any other idea. You do see bits of truth in other ideas, like um, re any religion that's talking about this supremely powerful and all-knowing and all, all of this, but then has the problem of the, the intimacy aspect. Yeah. How, 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 does God, how does God come to you? And the answer is usually he doesn't. You, you have to just try and live your life and then get weighed in the balance or something like that. And yeah. Christianity is not like that at all. Mm. It's about the God who comes near. I mean, I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, well, like why would outside you? Outside looking in. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, I think I think we all have our preconceptions about what Christianity might be, but yeah. I, th I think you realise it's called good news for a reason. Yeah. It's like, that's really good news. It's, that actually, you don't, you're not losing anything of the grandeur and the greatness of God 
but you're being brought into the relationship as well. Yeah, so. yeah, it's so yeah. great. Just like the relationship thing being yeah. just it's number okay. one, really. I think that's that's massive what Tim just said there. Like the um, the, the faith that we're encouraged to is, is a personal faith because at the center of it, there's a person and not just a person as in um, God in and, in and of himself and unknowable, but God um, putting on flesh and becoming a man and a, a man you can read about. And really faith in the Christian God is faith in, in Jesus. And um, it, I'm slightly moving on the topic here, but something that really struck me on the, on the subject of staying faithful and trusting in God um, there uh, was a, an elder at the church in Emmanuel called Steve Wolford, and um, he uh, retired, I think, last year. And um, I was uh, sort of hosting the meeting where he was, um, he, they, they were, I, I was asked to ask them some, some questions, get some wisdom from him on his last Sunday. And uh, I asked, it was him and his, his, his wife, Rosie on the stage and and i'm there in the evening service lots of young christians there and i think oh it'd be great to get some wisdom on how you are faithful for the for the long haul these guys have been so wonderfully faithful trusted god in all circumstances so i asked a question i said have you got any wisdom for us on how to trust god for the long haul and how to be faithful and rosie i got the mic and she said you know i don't think you are i don't think trusting god for the long haul is i can't quite remember how she phrased it but it was like yeah, you, you're not going to be. You're not going to be. You're, like, you're not going to be faithful the whole time. But he is, and that's the point. And I just, it just, it's like mm. it was kind of this this shattering moment. I thought, you know, she'll have some great ideas for some, you know, dis- disciplines of of prayer, and and I'm sure she would say all of those things. But just in the moment, it's like you you're not going to get this right all the time. Yeah. You are you are not going to be the have a story of 100% trust for 40 years. It's not going to happen. But he will always be faithful. Yeah. And that, that's why the, the the Christian faith is a personal one because yes. it's it's faith in the faithfulness of Christ wow. and his commitment to us. And when we're not faithful, he is. And um yeah, I hope that's helpful. That's, I'm aware it's not quite no, what we're really asking. Great. But, it's uh, yeah, I, stuck I, with I, me. Just add on to that that when when you are faithful, you are happy mm. as well. Yeah. It's, it's worth saying that because yes, you've got this freedom. Actually, yeah, you've got freedom to fail. You will fail, mm. and you're free. But you'll you'll get a taste for faithfulness as well. You, you you'll yes. actually be like things go better. It's not it's not just that I feel prouder and I feel that it's actually feel right. Mm. You, you want to feel you want to feel right and you want to feel good and satisfied and those things are all connected to that mm. living living in faithfulness living in trust living in love and joy of the lord uh all of those things are being offered to you and repeated and you're being trained in them that's that's the point it's it's that long training that's it. and it you know yeah just just ruthless devotion to you not your ruthless devotion to him he's mm-hmm. he's he, mm-hmm he's unshakably devoted to you and mm-hmm. you being formed and you being completed yeah yeah a great thing it Amazing. is and and it's like when you're f- when you feel like you're not being faithful on those days you can feel like you know that you're not good enough that you're not performing well enough that you're and you're anxious and those are all missing the point in which you just said it's like it's not based on our faith it's based on who we have faith in yeah. who is not going to be he's infinitely pleased with you 
Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. That is, that, that's the thing that people might not understand about Christianity as well, is that he is as pleased with you as he is with Christ, and he is, uh, he is maximally pleased with Christ. Mm-hmm. If anyone's a Christian, they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. So it means that when God looks upon you and looks upon your life, he's maximally pleased with you all the time. Yeah. And he's bringing you into the reality of walking in line with that. Yeah. That's, that's true Christianity, and it's an amazing thing. It is. Nothing and- like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you were just saying, when you're living in that, you know, when you're walking in the spirit and you're enjoying the gifts of God, like peace and and love and all of that, you start to chase that. And that is him kind of training you in in faith because, you know, oftentimes we, we like to do our own thing and go down our own path. And then I think on my Christian walk, being like almost three years, I can so see now when I'm going the wrong way, like it, it, it becomes so much yeah. more apparent. Like I can almost do, do feel find that you're more sensitive to it as well. If you do go wrong, yeah. Like, that, there's a there's a dynamic in the Christian life where you can feel like you're actually getting worse. Oh, because, yeah. Just because you, you, but then if you think about it, you're like, well, actually, I wouldn't have cared about that five years ago. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have even seen that as a, a problem. One hundred percent, and I don't think it's it, it's like I'm, you know really thinking about every single decision and stressing it's not that it's just that like you say I'm more sensitive to when I'm going the wrong way it's almost like someone's like yo like you're going the wrong way and I'm getting the feelings that I that having a relationship with God has gotten rid of anxiety for me so when anxiety comes back I'm like oh something's not right whereas before I would have anxiety, but I would just think that it was part of life. Right. So I would either sit in it and be like low for weeks and like you do when you have anxiety, you don't want to talk to anyone or go out or whatever. Um, or I would just like, yeah, try other methods to try and remove it, but I would never, I didn't have a relationship with God. But now if anxiety comes about, that's when I go to prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it's like, you can just diminish it. And here, mm. yeah, here's the thing, the diminishing is an important thing because you're, that's talking about something that changes over time. That it's, I guess we can, we can sometimes look at, you know, a loved one and think the change that needs to happen is this and try and do it in one, one fell swoop or like yeah. from a paranoid control thing where, you, where you're just, it needs to happen and I can see how it happens. Let me get in there quick and make the change while I can. There's not, none of that sort of, like paranoid working with God it's, mm-hmm. there's this like you know he's so kind that, that the changes that he's affected in you if he'd if he'd done them in one go it would have blown your mind oh, you, you couldn't sure. take it you, yeah. if, if he told you everything that's going to happen in your life going forward you couldn't like, take nah. it but he, he's merciful and incremental and you know relational in the way that he moves you and changes you and builds you yeah he's so gentle and he does take you day by day step by step and it's just it's so kind because like you say if 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 someone told me like this and this and this was going to happen to you i'd be like whoa but the way in which he does it is so great because it's almost like yeah just slowly over time he's like shaping you and but it can feel overwhelming when you're when you're not having that much faith or when you're going through a hard time. It can feel worse. It can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. And that's when you just have to keep going back to the truth that you were saying earlier, George, which is always so encouraging. And it's yeah. always just that it's so easy to forget as well. Like we've yeah, got totally. Jesus, like read about Jesus, read about his character, who he is, you know, that's who we are relying on. Hmm. And it's 
it's great. It's like really, you never get past it as well. If you read the if you read the Gospels one year to the next, you never get to the bottom of Jesus. And that doesn't that's for a Christian reader or any reader, you just never get to the to the bottom of him. You're gazing at this person, God in the flesh, and it's wondrous. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Well, that's a great way to end live lunch. Yeah. So Come thank on. you guys so much for coming on. Thanks, Rachel. And I hope you have enjoyed. See you next week.